Hey, Story Show podcast listeners, Jeremy here. Uh, Angie and I just got done uh, recording a little update on what we've been up to here the past few months and since our Story Show podcast was released. Um, And so you're going to be hearing that in a few minutes. Uh, What I forgot to do was to preview um, our next season, which is uh, season two, and it will feature all the stories from our January show with the theme of invisibility. So I forgot to do that at the end. Um, So make sure that you stick around to hear that. And you'll be hearing the opening story. We're just giving you a taste with this first one. You'll be hearing the opening story from Neil's score, a story called To Be or Not To Be. Thanks. All right. Uh, Hey, this is Jeremy Corey Greenis and... Angie Zoller-Barker. And we are here to talk about some exciting news about the story show. So, um, Angie, you want to tell us what's going on here? Man, absolutely. We have all kinds of amazing information to give you guys. Um, And now you can get all that information in lots of different ways. We have launched a website. Uh, It's thestoryshow.org. Again, that's thestoryshow.org. Uh, where we have a list of past storytellers. You can find out information about us as an organization. We have our musicians, previous events, uh, links to all of the charities, um, and then upcoming events. Awesome. Yeah. And uh, we also have uh, links to our recordings and our podcast is now available on, on Apple Podcasts or wherever you wherever you find your your podcast. So if you're a Droid user, you can find them too. Um, or you can go to Podbean, uh, which hosts our RSS feed and, and uh, just listen directly there. So, all right. So our next show. Yes. Excited. This summer. Uh, Want to give us some deets here? Absolutely. Uh, all right. So this is going to be um, a new sort of event for us that we uh, have not tried before. We are going to be hosting an event in honor of Randy Kerr, uh, who. What do we want to say? Should I bring up the Should I bring up the thing and read a couple? Yeah. Well, okay. I can talk a little bit about Randy. Yeah. Um, so Randy was a longtime community member here in Albert Lee, and headed the chamber and was just kind of like involved in everything. Mm -hmm. And I think I met Randy like four or five times each in a different role that he was playing in the community. And he was just kind of like this guy who was out there leading and being a steward. And, and so Randy actually wrote a story Mm -hmm. about a year and a half ago, right? Yep. For, for our courage show. Yeah. Uh, Yep. And, um, or was it for the power of words? I can't remember. Anyway. Oh, jeez. <laughs> anyway. Good thing we have a website. Yeah, good thing we have a website. <laughs> but he uh, he wrote a he, he wrote a story and, and presented a story for one of our shows. And um, sadly, uh, last fall he passed away, and after uh, a long illness, um, passed away. And uh, so we thought it would be cool to dedicate our next show. To him, and so we contacted Randy's wife, Ellen, who is definitely his equal in community stewardship, and uh, kind of talked about what you know what the charity would be. So you want to share a little bit about that? Yeah. Well, she told us this amazing story of how when they came to Albert Lee, the first um, 
charity that Rainey got involved with was um, raising funds for the Christmas lights. And not only did he go out and raise the funds, but in typical Randy fashion, uh, he ended up scaling the buildings and hanging them himself. (laughs) Um, So with the new Spruce Up Albert Lee for Christmas... um, fundraiser that's been going on in Albert Lee recently, it sort of seemed like this perfect kismet of um, charity and uh, trying to honor our friends and our steward uh, with the event. So how do we not do it? (laughs) Yeah. So um, we decided on a date. Uh, It's going to be July 26th, Mm -hmm. Thursday night. And found in the summer doing a weeknight works best because everybody's gone on the weekends. And Mm -hmm. so... Um, and funny story, uh, we, we thought that we had a theme and then we read, uh, Ellen's, Randy's wife wrote kind of, you know, a little blurb for us about Randy and the charity. And after reading and talking about that, we decided in the 11th hour here, uh, to change it. And we didn't consult Riley. How are you feeling about that, uh, Angie? Oh, I feel super okay about it. (laughs) (laughs) He can handle it. He's got this. Yeah, okay. I mean, if he was just here, you know, Riley, if you'd, you know, stop living all the way across the globe and be here, maybe. Yeah. No. We'd let you you vote. (laughs) So the theme was going to be Say Yes, but we decided to change it to? Uh, It's going to be Let Your Light Shine. Yeah, which connects really well with uh, who Randy was and the charity itself. It's about, you know, raising money for these Christmas lights. But also, we've all got these gifts and uh, skills and, and talents. And if we're just willing to throw ourselves out there a little bit and take a risk, and uh, we can let our lights shine, I guess. And yeah. it's, you know, we can interpret this in lots of ways or go in lots of directions. So I'm excited about the theme. Oh, me too. Here, one of the things Ellen had wrote about Randy says, Randy loved Albert Lee and was so proud of our accomplishments. He watched us shine and truly thought we were the brightest star in the sky. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So how can you not? Goosebumps. How can you not go with that theme? <laughs> so that's that's the theme. And we're mm-hmm. sending out uh, the call for submissions is, was going out on May 1st. Mm-hmm. We'll see how fast I can get this edited. <laughs> so I'll say is and was. You're um, an English teacher right. in the last three weeks of the school year. I know, so. I know. And I don't know how to do audio editing. <laughs> I do it and then it turns out and then I wait a few months and I've forgotten everything that I learned. Doing That's it the, fair. Yeah. So anyway, um, but we'll get, yeah. So the call of submissions going out on Facebook and on our website mm-hmm. and we'll be hopefully... Uh, yep. The deadline yeah. for call for submissions. Uh, so the call for submissions deadline is going to be June 14th. Uh, so you'll have about six weeks to um, if you feel like you're connecting with the theme and this is this is the show for you. Or if you want to come back. Oh, we love it when people come back. Um, get to see everybody, a little reunion. Uh, you can email those to, we have a new Gmail address. So you're going to send those to alstoryshow at gmail.com. So that's alstoryshow at gmail.com. All right. Mm-hmm. And that's great because in the past we've got you know, Riley Worth is one of our producers and all three of us are getting emails from different people and all using different addresses and Angie's got seven email addresses herself. <laughs> so we don't 
you know, but this will be good because we'll be, it'll be central, centralizing mm -hmm. everything. And yeah, so can send your story directly there. If you forget the email address, uh, there's a contact us link, right? On our website. Yep, absolutely. And you can submit them right there now on the website. Again, yeah. that website is thestoryshow.org. Nice, nice. Awesome. Well, uh, I guess, man, I think we've covered a lot of ground here. Angie. Man, we, we did. We covered, <laughs> I think we covered all the things. Yeah, everything. And um, yeah, well, so. We should tell them quick to go back and uh, check out the podcast. We have season one. So it's from the show. Which show was it from? Uh, this last summer show, Seeking Peace. Okay. And we've got nine storytellers. And it's... I'm biased because I think every show that I've been involved in is the best one. <laughs> and it changed, you know, so, but this is really a good show. It, it is was good. really a good show. And yeah, so uh, on the podcast, you can either listen, you can download or stream uh, the entire first act, the entire second act, or we've released, we've released all of the episodes individually too. So if you've only got 10 minutes and you want to just listen to one and not have to weed through or fast forward, um, you can do that too. Yeah. And, and uh, in upcoming news, we are going to, um, in anticipation of the upcoming show this summer, uh, release our last show's episodes sort of on a weekly-ish yeah. basis. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we got great audio from our last show and that was Invisibility, right? Yep. Yep, theme for uh, the theme was invisibility, and our charity was a a local uh, fund here at Albertly High School, um, serving kids who have unmet financial needs. And Tiger TLC. Tiger TLC, and so yeah, we've got great audio and great stories from that show that we'll be releasing about once a week or so. And, yeah. Uh, so get on that Apple Music and subscribe. Yeah. Or on your Bean Pod. <laughs> 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 it's not a bean pod it's pod bean pod beans that yeah, was close yeah no wherever i think we're listed just about everywhere on a android that you'd look for a podcast too so stitcher pocket cast whatever love it <laughs> all right awesome cool. okay so we look forward to hearing from you send us stories check out the podcast visit our website and most importantly come to the show in july so yeah let your light shine people all right bye bye so as promised in the intro to this episode, um, we're going to give you a little preview of our next season here by sharing the first story from our January 2018 story show with the theme of invisibility. So you'll get to hear Neil Score's story coming up next. So stick around and, and listen. Thanks. Neil Score is a simple farm boy who has had the advantage of being raised by wonderful parents in a community that presents the best people anyone could ask for. In addition, he had the good sense to trick the girl down the road into marrying him, which was undoubtedly the best, decision, the best thing that ever happened to him, but was of questionable benefit to her. He has a reputation for being a fair country wrestler, an excellent pilot, and capable of building good fences. This is To Be or Not To Be by Neil Score. Thank you. The notion of invisibility is intriguing. 
It has been some time now since this topic was introduced to me in connection with, with this event, and since then I have been amazed by how many times I have encountered the concept in connection with things I have read, watched, or heard. Books have been written on the subject, such as Ralph Ellison's Invisible Man. I would like to suggest three modes of invisibility that have presented themselves to me and recount some personal stories that provide illustration. The first of these I shall call moments of existential lucidity. <laughs> these moments are not exactly stories, but rather states of mind where I come face to face with the core of my being. These states can be either spontaneous or induced and result in a sort of invisibility. I can achieve this state any time. I can do it now. <laughs> I'm reminded of a favorite song of mine, some lines from a song of mine. Not mine, but a favorite song of mine. You are here, so am I. Millions of people go by. They all disappear from Because maybe they're not here. <laughs> maybe you're not here. Maybe I'm not here. How do I know that this thing called existence is real? The great, the great 17th century philosopher, mathematician René Descartes concluded, cogito ergo sum, I think, therefore I am. But what if he were wrong? What if this whole experience we call existence is nothing more than a cosmic joke visited upon us by some being whose intelligence is so far removed from our understanding that we cannot begin to fathom the depths of it. Or perhaps we are that entity. A popular school of thought these days is called biocentrism. Its central thesis is that in observing things, we create them, or at least alter them. The greatest mystery in the universe is consciousness, and consciousness is the core of our being. Confront it sometime. Create an existential moment, but be careful. In your journey into the twilight zone, you may somehow fail to find your way back. This is all interesting enough, but this is story theater, and I am supposed to tell a story or stories about me which reflect invisibility. My second mode will accomplish that. I am thinking of events in my life which have been so intense that I have removed myself from the moment and have become a third-person observer. These are sometimes referred to as out-of-body experiences. I will relate three of them which stand out. I must add that I do not wish to appear sensational or overdramatic. These events drove me out of myself. I became an invisible observer. Turn the clock back nearly 70 years. I'm about five years old, and it is a hot summer day on the score farm. I see me playing with my younger brother, Bruce, competing for the attention of some kittens who are hiding behind the two propane tanks outside of our house. The next scene I see is my mother running with arms outstretched across the lawn. As I watch this scene, it occurs to me that this is most unusual. Never had I seen my mother running with arms outstretched across the lawn. Cut to a scene by the side of the gravel road where I see a gravel truck driver, my mother, me, and the still form of my brother, caked with dust. I hear the gravel truck driver mutter, I think he's dead. 
ma'am. Next, I see my father and me walking back from the pasture gate behind the cattle, locking them into the cow yard for the night. As I view these two, I notice no conversation. In fact, there is little, if any, dialogue included in my observations. I could go on, but you get the point. The intensity of this tragedy drove me outside myself. I was removed, invisible, an observer. Fast forward 15 years or so to when I was a member of the Luther College wrestling team. Two matches where I was an out-of-body observer. The first, as a freshman wrestling his first collegiate match against a defending conference champion. I was scared to death. I remember seeing the Luther boy being tossed through the air, but somehow landing on top in control. The second was at the end of my sophomore year at the NCAA National Tournament, where I met in the quarterfinals a returning All-American whose picture was in the program. Again, I remember watching the Luther boy counter a sit-out by staying behind the far arm and spinning around in front, maintaining control. In both instances, it occurred to me as the observer that, wow, that was pretty good. <laughs> the, record, the record will show that I won both of those matches. I do not remember wrestling them, only observing small snippets from the bleachers. Fast forward again 20 years or so, I am feeding the cows on a fall morning before school. I remember foolishly trying to fix a part of the feeding equipment without shutting it down. The result was that my ragged coverall was caught in the shaft that drove the old elevator chain which delivered feed along the 80-foot feed bunk. Once again, I became a purely objective, disinterested observer. I saw the shaft draw into the armpit as the coverall wrapped around it. I saw me desperately clinging to the frame to resist being spun around the shaft. I remember editorializing about what a stupid way this was to die. As an observer, I could not help but notice how unconcerned the cows seemed to be about this turn of events. It seemed to me that they should, they should uh, appreciate the plight of the, the desperate man. It occurred to me from their perspective that the plight of the desperate man was a low priority. Finally, as an observer, I noticed something which struck me as peculiar, the smell of burning rubber. It was then that I returned within myself and realized that the V-Velt that drove the machine was slipping on its drive pulley and melting, which explains why I'm here today. All of these out-of-body encounters have one thing in common. The observer was invisible, removed from the physical, an unobserved observer. Which brings me to my last and perhaps most interesting example of invisibility. Back to Luther College. Spring of my junior year, a cool, misty evening finds my friend Dennis Mitchell and me walking across campus to attend a fraternity meeting. Dennis is a senior and a standout on the football team. We are both English majors. I ask him about his current literature class, 19th century British romantic poetry. Sounded terrible. He informed me that I was wrong about that. He was right. And now to the point of this sloppy transition. At the heart of the Romantic movement is the notion that the artist is a seer, a seer, one who sees. The artist has insight into truths that are vague to the rest of us and by means of their art make those truths available to us. Keats said it so well. Beauty is truth, truth is beauty. 
That's all you, need, you know on earth and all you need to know. Our Wordsworth, we see into the life of things. But what does this have to do with invisibility? Simply this, one can only become a seer by removing the I, not the anatomical I, but the pronoun I. As Emerson said in his essay, Nature, standing on the bare ground, my head bathed by the blithe air and uplifted into infinite spaces, all mean egotism vanishes. I become a transparent eyeball. I am nothing. I see all. The currents of the universal being circulate through me. I am part or parcel of God. In the process of seeing, the seer loses self, becomes invisible. This is awesome. My friend Dennis was so right. The notion of the seer, the unseen seer, relates to everything I have said above and more. As Prince Hamlet would have it, there are more things in heaven and earth, Horatio, than are dreamt of in your philosophy. Of course, there's the rub. How do we know which insights and visions are genuine truth? Or does truth even exist? We don't know. As the Apostle Paul put it, we see through a glass darkly. I recently saw a PBS interview of Bruce Springsteen where he admitted that as an artist, he was a phony that the persona presented to the public was an affectation created by him with no substantial basis. He struggled with substance, but could find nothing definitive. The boss is an illusion. He is, as are we all, invisible. People greet me with the usual cliches, how are you? Of late, I have oft flippantly responded, how do I look? to which they always lie and say something like, you look great. My reply, then there it is, I must be great. I am nothing. I don't exist. I am invisible. In conclusion, I believe that truth is out there, but elusive. I believe that we may catch glimpses of it in our existential moments, in our out-of-body experiences, and in the wisdom of artists, philosophers, and religious figures. I believe that the ultimate evolutionary destiny of us all is to escape the tyranny of the self, to cultivate the presence of that invisible me so that it may see clearly without the necessity of being seen, so that we might, like Leo Tzu, discover the way, like Siddhartha Gautama, the Buddha, realize enlightenment like Jesus the Christ, follow the path which leads to that peace which passes all understanding. I would like to thank you all for presenting the appearance of rapt attention. <laughs> and finally, I can assure you that I am standing before you here tonight, or maybe I'm not. Thank you. Story Show is produced by Riley Wirth, Angie Zoller-Barker, and me, Jeremy Corey Greenis. Check out our new webpage at thestoryshow.org, and please listen to our podcast. You can find us in Apple Podcasts or wherever you find your favorite podcast. Just search for The Story Show in quotes, and you should find us. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs>